I will be playing my college football at the University of Drops to the 50, now steps behind the 50, runs to the right side of the 45, Wisconsin to the 40, throws it long down the field toward the end zone, Devin Smith, touchdown! Devin Smith, he's got it for a touchdown in the middle of the end zone. With the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. Josh, welcome back in. It's been a minute. We've been having some technical difficulties both on our ends trying to get our setups, but we're finally here. We're recording this on a Thursday, January 4th. It's been three days since the college football semifinals. And Josh, I said in our preview show, this has the potential to be the best semifinals ever. And I think it delivered. I think we needed to leave the three days between just to let the dust settle. It's been an absolutely chaotic, chaotic weekend of college football. It was fantastic. I mean, these were two of if not the two best games we've had pretty much all season. These were, were two absolutely fantastic matchups, and there were plays made all weekend, guys delivered across the board, and yeah, I'm excited to get into it. This was a, this was a really, really superb slate of, uh, of two games. Yeah, and I think we should just start off with the first semifinal game, and that was the Rose Bowl. Michigan defeats Alabama in overtime. I said it was going to be an overtime, Josh. I picked Alabama... But it was an overtime. And guess what? The over did hit in this one. Um, Alabama ended up having a very um, interesting play call. We'll talk about that in just a second. But, um, yeah, I think the, the Rose Bowl is the, the place to start. Michigan won 27-20 in overtime, like I said. And defense wins championships, Josh. Michigan had the superior defense in this game. And this game kind of went exactly how both teams' seasons have gone in just a singular game with Alabama's offensive line having some issues, Jalen Milrow having some issues throwing the ball, doing fantastic with his legs, but having issues throwing the ball, and then Michigan's offense being very well balanced with both the run and the pass game. Blake Corum, the Rosewell MVP, had two touchdowns, including the game-winning touchdown for the, uh, for the Wolverines as well as having just stout defense and a fantastic front seven that really was, a, to me, the difference maker in the game. Yeah, for sure. For sure, the, the Michigan front seven was, was absolutely fantastic in this one. This was quite a messy game to start with. Like, you know, kind of early in this one, both teams looked a little bit shaky coming out. But by the end of that first half, this game looked like it was Michigan's to lose. You know, they had dominated in every single stat bar the scoreline. There was only three points in it at the half, but... Coming out of the half, Blake Corum, Roman Wilson, JJ McCarthy really stepped up. That Michigan front seven, as you said, really started to step up. And we said it in the preview show, you know, this is going to be a real real battle on the in the trenches. Will this Michigan D-line be able to get after after Milrow and, and limit that run game? And, you know, on the flip side, will the Alabama D-line be able to get after McCarthy? Because that, that Michigan O-line was bad against Iowa. They gave up a load of sacks. This Alabama O-line has been bad most of the year, but somehow managed to get it sorted. I think this was a very elite front seven exposing the cracks that have been there all year for Alabama, but they've been able to mask through periods of the season, been able to get through some games and maybe they shouldn't. They have a QB who's got fantastic escapability, which can mask you know, cracks in the O-line. And the cracks were, were torn apart, blown apart by this Michigan front seven. I think it was six sacks in the end. They managed to stop him on a crucial fourth down, which uh, which we'll get into. But yeah, this uh, this Michigan front seven was the difference maker in what was uh, 
what turned into a fantastic matchup. I really enjoyed this game. Yeah, six sacks for the Michigan defense, including 10 tackles for loss. Uh, they mauled Alabama's offensive line, and that center, he really struggled all game. And it wasn't just the final play with the bad snap, which, again, we're, we are going to talk about that final play for Alabama, but it was throughout the game. Balls were being thrown in the dirt. Balls were to his Milrow's right, Milrow's left, and that gave the front seven just an extra rush. And Brady McGregor, fantastic game. He had two sacks. Derek Moore, fantastic game. He had a sack, a couple tackles for loss. Chris Jenkins, a couple tackles for losses. Josiah Stewart, like, they, they just mauled them. And shout out to Michigan secondary as well. They were flying all over the field, not just in the passing, but in the run game. They were getting downhill. They were, like, really sealing the edge and forcing the Alabama rushing game, like, into the alleys and into the teeth of the defense and one play that really stood out to me was I think it was like a maybe it was a first first and 10 or second and 10 and it's towards the end of the game when Alabama's trying to drive to win Michigan sends a corner blitz and Miller does a great job gets the hot read throws it out to the receiver in the flat and he's got like seven yards of separation and they're on like the 40 ish the, uh, the Michigan safety, he flies down and wraps up the receiver. I want to say it was Bond. It was either Bond or Burton, the receiver, for like a one or two yard gain. That still set up a third down long or like a second down long, which ended up did being a difference maker in that. So, again, props to that Michigan secondary. They are fantastic. And, yeah, going back to the Alabama offense. Bill O'Brien was right. Miller can't play quarterback. <laughs> he sucked at being a quarterback that game. And you know he's not been that good at it all season. You know we joked last week that he should be uh, he should be thanking O'Brien for saying that. But yeah, it's uh, it, it it's not something that he's done all season. We knew it was going to come down to his legs. We knew this Michigan front seven and this Michigan defense is good enough to stop them if they can show up. But this Alabama team just kept having enough and they kept beating teams, which is why it was impossible to rule them out of this one, despite. At least I pretty handedly thought this Michigan team was was the superior outfit, especially through most parts of this season, big chunks of this season. But yeah, this was uh, a pick Michigan. I didn't think it was going to go this way. I, I'm I'm not too surprised to see how it turned out, but I thought they should have won in regulation anyway. Their special teams is going to cost them a game at some point, and it's probably going to be the <laughs> final. Because man, <laughs> speaking as a Packers fan who's watched bad special teams cost you a game at some point, and it hasn't fully cost them yet. It nearly cost them here. They should have won in regulation, but. Yeah, that's uh, there's a few things to clean up before before the final. I have a I have a note here. Does a fully strength or a full strength Florida State team beat both of these teams? A full strength Florida State team beats this Alabama team. They don't beat Michigan though. Okay, maybe that makes it less painful for FSU fans that they're not here. Then <laughs> I I think the way Michigan played outside of special teams, which I'm about to jump into, because thank you for bringing that up. Florida State's offense cannot answer against this Michigan defense. And I think this Michigan defense would be able to stop Florida State's offense. Just enough. Just enough. This is the best defense in the country, right? Right. Right now, yeah. Well, yeah. Th there's only two defenses left. But yes, this was but, the... But, and I think going like through their final four or five games, yeah, this was the best defense. And they really did lean on that defense because they needed to. The offense slowed down towards the end but they picked up in this game I think the offense did just enough and uh JJ McCarthy impressed me a lot more than 
I thought he was capable of. Plus, he had a great second half. He had a really fantastic good second half. He also had one of like the best plays of the day when they tr- did that um, double pass where he gives it out to the running back. Running back throws it back to McCarthy. He one-hands it, just palms it. It's I think it was like his right side. I'm going to try to turn and mimic it. He turns, grabs the ball with his right hand one-handed, takes two steps, and flings it. So I think Roman Wilson, as he gets lit up by, um, by the linebackers, super Insane. incredible play, yes. And then another incredible pass he had was that crucial, like, it was like a first and 10 or second and 10, where he lobs the over uh, to Wilson and like threads it in coverage. The ball's actually tipped, and I think that distracts the DB. It allows Wilson to get under the ball. Yeah, he, he had a fantastic game. But yeah, Josh, let's talk about this Michigan special teams because they almost lost Michigan the game. First, you had a muff snap on the first extra point for Michigan. Only leads to six points instead of seven. One point difference. You had a missed field goal. You had a um, muff punt, which, again, uh, I think Alabama recovered, right? Not that first yep. punt. That was what set up their first score. Alabama recovered. And then you had almost the most choke play of all time with 30 seconds left. Alabama punts the ball. They're fine taking it to overtime. And for whatever God knows reason, this is the backup punt returner, by the way, because the original punt returner muffed it. The backup punt returner calls a fair catch inside his own 10-yard line. There is less than 30 seconds left, and he tries to field it. And he muffs it. I think he's inside his five. And he picks that ball up on the one-inch line and just barely gets his body across. If he is doesn't get his body across, if he muffs that ball again, it's an all-time choke. But thank God he somehow didn't. And Michigan is set up on the one-yard line with 10 seconds left, 30 seconds left, to get it into overtime. It would have been one of the most remembered plays in college football history for all the worst reasons. That one would have been impossible to live down. So, for his sake, I'm, I'm thankful that Michigan yes. won this one. <laughs> yeah, there, there is a scapegoat in this game that people are pointing to, and we, we're going to get to that in just a second. But some final thoughts on um, Michigan. Their final drive to tie the game was a really ballsy drive. Because I don't know if you noticed that fourth and I think it's like three they did if they don't get it the game's over and there's still like three minutes three and change left I thought they should punt it because they had three timeouts left obviously I'm wrong it was a great play it was um we talked about this in a NFL uh offense video but essentially having the four guys on one side and one to the other it was a bunch trips Michigan clears everybody out left, and then Corm, the running back, sneaks out right and completely fools Alabama in an easy check down for a big gain. Then Roman Wilson gets 15 yards called back for a terrible, terrible block in the back, but that really did set up Michigan um, for their uh, tying score. Any more thoughts on Michigan? Um, no, I just Blake Corm's a dude. He absolutely clutched them that game. And you said two scores. He got two scores. He did get two scores. And yeah, I guess going into overtime now, we can talk about it all. Uh, Michigan had a fantastic opening drive. Just ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball. Bullied Alabama at the front, and that's kind of what they did in that first half, and even to an extent that second half. And then Alabama's turn for 
the tie. And let's start with the third down. So, Milrow, it's like third and, what, eight, nine? Or I guess it's goal. Third and goal from the nine. And Milrow throws a curl or a comeback to Jermaine Burton, who, Burton, you gotta know down distance. Because he curls up at the goal line and then comes back to the two. I'm like, "Mm -mm, probably that route should be going two yards into the end zone. I'm fine you coming back some extra yards, but sit that that sit that one in the end zone because they had the look. They had the one-on-one coverage. If I think he extends that route just a little bit more and comes back, uh, Miller was able to get to him. But then finally, the fourth down that everyone has been talking about. I like the play call, Josh. I think it was the right play call. I think that they had the look. It's just a bad snap and Michigan's defense being better cost them the game yeah and you know when we put this in the notes who was going to speak about this fourth down call one of the first things i thought as well is i didn't hate the call i i like your whole offense for the most part of that game was trying to run with milro trying to use his legs and trying to stretch that michigan defense and you weren't really able to do it for for stretch of the game so i can understand why people would then say so why do you go to that play in that situation when you haven't been able to do it this is a beastly front seven i will say i'm not sure about trying to run straight up the gut here i don't hate them using milro's legs but if i'm calling a play here i'm just going to say right we're not going to try and take on all of you we're going to try and take on half of you i'm just going to try and run you know qb power to the off the tackle and i'm only going to take on half of that front seven the guys on the backside are not going to be involved in this play. As soon as you drop back and invite them all in, you've got to take on that whole box. And They weren't beating them this game. They just weren't beating them this game. They didn't beat them on that play. And that was the way it fell. Yeah, it was a... Uh, I didn't hate the call, didn't hate the concept, but wasn't... I don't know if I'd have gone up the middle. I don't know if I'd have gone up the gut. Not on this team. And I don't know necessarily if that was designed to go up the gut. I think Milrow was probably supposed to cut that back out left because you see the, I think it's the left tackle get outside and try to seal the edge. I think Milrow was supposed to bounce that left. My initial thought of that play was, okay, maybe I'd run counter, like counter right, because you can swing the back out, fake left, have your left guard pull, and try to steal that right side because you'd mm-hmm. basically only have five blockers on four defenders, five blockers on five defenders because that edge rusher for, or that, I guess, corner for Michigan is so far outside wide rushing that he's pretty much negated from the play. And he was negated from the, the original play as well. I just think the issue is that low snap forces Milrow to stop for a second mm-hmm. and that allows the right edge just absolutely bullied the right tackle. Or I guess just left edge for Michigan, right tackle for Alabama. Bullies him, sends him all the way back, and collapses the inside. And Milrow has nowhere to go. He's not able to make a reading cut. He just pretty much runs into the teeth of the defense. Yeah, and that was the story for, for most of this game. That Michigan defensive line and that Michigan front seven completely bullying Alabama and just exposing the cracks that have been there all season. It was strange to see these low snaps start to come out seemingly out of nowhere I don't know if that was just the pressure I don't know like I don't seem to remember it being too much of an issue this season but I, maybe it was in there for some games um, but yeah this is a it's a tough one to to take for Alabama but I think they'll be pretty happy because they they probably shouldn't have been there anyway and 
the cracks that were there were pretty huge. I think it was a hell of a coaching job to mask them up and start to scheme around those holes because those O-line ones are not not easy ones to fix. And I think they did a great job. This was just a, an elite unit that they went up against and it's hard to, you know, you can only stop the water from bursting through the cracks for so long when when something elite turns up and starts to try and fight through. It's, uh, it's a different ball game. Going back to the um, center play, it has been an issue. Just it was more amplified because of the situation you're in. Yeah. Special teams was not an issue for Michigan all season. They were a very sound special teams team. And fun fact, uh, Jay Harbaugh, Jim's son, is the special teams coordinator. What other uh, Big Ten school, Josh, do we know of that has a little bit of nepotism higher that costs that team some games? <laughs> what team do we know? Um no, absolutely fantastic job by Jesse Minter, the defensive coordinator, to shut down Alabama's offense, shut down shut down Milrow's legs for the most part, and absolutely did shut down the defense. And then, um, yeah, the offense game plan was fantastic for Michigan. They played in the McCarthy's strengths. They played in the Corm strengths. Absolute masterclass and a Rose Bowl to remember. For sure. For sure. One of my favorite games of the season. But I think this next one was better. And I can agree with you, and that is the Sugar Bowl, the sweet, sweet Sugar Bowl. This game kicked off, what, I think 8.30 or 9, 9.30 East Coast time, so this kicked off at 2 a.m. for you, right? Two or three, I think it was three. Yeah, I oh. uh, I did not watch this one live, I have to say. This was, uh, I looked at the time and was like, yeah, this is, uh, <laughs> there's no chance I see this one starting at three. Absolutely uh, brutal. But yeah. it was a fun one to catch up on, I'll tell you that. It, it was fantastic. Uh, Washington taking on Texas. Washington winning 37-31. And this game was way too close than it should have been. The score kind of reflects how close it was, but <laughs> it came down to the final play, just like that Alabama-Michigan game, when it really should not have. Um, I think first and foremost, we just got to start by saying Michael Penix Jr., Michael Penix Jr. He, That's what we've been saying all year. <laughs> what else do you say? <laughs> we said the it in the preview show. He's he's the man. You give him time, he dices you up. Don't matter who you are, what you're doing. And and we were trying to think of some pro comps, and and you know we're slowly starting to come up. And I won't reveal them just yet. We'll save them for when we start to get into the the draft shows and the the quarterback shows. But man, he played outstandingly well. Outstandingly well. Certainly his best game of the season, and also I'm saying something. Yeah, that he. I think he definitely played better than that first Oregon game, because um, he was a little shaky. He missed some throws in that one, and he did miss a throw or two in this game. But we'll we'll excuse him for that. And also, as we said in our preview show, the uh, law firm of Rome, Jalen, Jalen, those being the three major receivers for Washington, absolutely showed out. Roma Dunze, another 100-yard game. I think this is, like, eight straight for him now, which is absolutely Absolute. incredible. Jalen Polk, 100-yard game, touchdown, absolutely incredible. Jalen McMillian, Jalen McMillan. I'm getting too excited. I'm talking way ahead of myself. <laughs> he had 60 yards receiving. Like They stepped up, and I said it, Texas's secondary, certainly the weakest part of this team. I got to give him credit. They played tight coverage and they played really good coverage it's just Michael Penix played better you can't defend the perfect pass 
that was told to me from a young age when I started football. That you can be in the perfect position, you could have played perfectly, and you're still wrong. And that's what this offense is so good at doing. And they just did it from the start in this one as well. You know, Michael Penix was 29 of 38 for 430 yards, which is the second most pass yards in a playoff semi-final. It was just behind Joe Burrow at 493 in, in 2019. He hit Jalen Polk for a fantastic 77-yard pass, 52-yard bomb to Roman Denzel as well in the first in the first half. There was one point in the third quarter when he came out after the half where he completed 12 passes in a row. I mean, they just came out and what, what did we say in the preview show? If you don't get after him, he just drops back there and he cuts you to pieces. He'd done it all season. There was only a very small stretch where they where they looked a little bit out of sorts, but even then they were still doing enough to get the wins. Yeah, this was a, a classic Michael Penix game, and if you've been watching him this season, you weren't surprised to see him play like this against Texas. And Josh, how many sacks did Texas' defense have? Zero. Zero. Big fat zero. That offensive line kept him clean, and that's not an easy task against that front four. No. Some of the... They, there's a, there's some NFL players on that front four. And yeah. there were times where they would get some cracks through, but Penix would step up in the pocket and just rip it. 90-mile-per-hour fastball rip right into Roma Dunsey over the middle. Absolutely insane. Yeah, he was a lot of fun to watch in this one. He played fantastically well. It's, uh, it's a good thing, though, for Washington that the offense is playing so well and the offense is basically got no cracks because there's a few cracks on that defense and especially the run defense and we'll get into the preview of the final but I think that could potentially be a be a real difference maker in this one because that Washington run defense does not look very good right now they gave up 180 to Texas who had no Jonathan Brooks there's a lot of cracks in that in that defense they just don't feel don't fill the gaps very well against the run and yeah we'll we'll see what happens here but I think Michigan could potentially take advantage of that one yeah now let's talk about Texas because their first series out I think they're trying to feel themselves, try to feel, you know, what is Washington going to throw at us? Are we able to throw at them? Are we able to run on them? And Texas really could not throw on Washington that first half. They had to rely on the run game. And got them going their second drive, and then another muff punt, what, three muff punts in this sem- in these semifinals. That set Texas up with a short field, and that tied at 14-all. I'm like, okay, Texas is here to play. Texas is ready. Washington goes is able to go down and score again. I thought when Texas stopped Washington on that fourth down early in the second quarter, I think, I'm like, ooh, okay, Texas, let's see something. They never really got the offense going. Quinn Ewers never really got going. Adonai Mitchell and Xavier Worthy, I think they only had like two combined catches in the first half. They're your two biggest playmakers out wide were completely shut down. And I think that's a testament to an underrated unit that was Washington's secondary. I know I dogged on them earlier in this season, and then kind of even later in the season, I'm like, oh, you know, teams like Oregon, Washington State, Oregon State even, will be able to like throw on these guys the weaker part of their unit. No, they are now one of the strongest parts of this unit. And I think even the entire Washington defense as a whole has been underrated. They've been ranked in kind of the lower 50s throughout the season. They had five tackles or two sacks, five tackles for loss in this game. Some key pass deflections. Braylon Trice is just an absolute monster on that line. He was wreaking havoc on Ewers all day. Yeah, and it's a it's a good offensive line. 
very good offensive unit to be able to to put those numbers up against. And I think, as you said, you know, the pass rusher is pretty good and the, the secondary is good. That run defense is really where the cracks are for me. I will say on the Texas offense, though, they looked a little bit out of sorts at times in this one. They was just not clicking, not as smooth as we had seen. The fourth down attempt uh, at the end of uh, the fourth and 13 in the end zone, I didn't hate the jump ball. Throw it to one of your best receivers. I don't, I don't hate the call again. The execution was just so poor. The ball was just high, loopy outside. The receiver turned around way too early. Didn't even get a chance to jump at the ball because he he kind of ran a little bit slow and hesitant and then turned around too early and the ball was over his head. It was just, it didn't look like the receivers were on the same page as the quarterback. It didn't look like the quarterback was on the same page as the receivers. And there was just a, a, a little bit of, not miscommunication, but a little bit of almost rust on that on that offensive performance it looked like they took a month off prepared for this game and then maybe came out with a with a small bit of rust to uh, to maybe shake off because this didn't really look like the Texas offense that we'd seen all year and as you said you know they they struggled to push on when they when they really needed to yeah let's talk about that second half second half for Texas because in that first half they started slow but started to find their rhythm towards the end then they come out in the second half and fall flat on their face first play fumble Sets Washington up in easy field position. Good on the defense because they were able to hold them, force a field goal. Next, they punted. Washington, again, is held to a field goal. So, it, at this point, it could easily be 42-21. The defense stepped up in the second half. Held Washington. Then, they start getting a little bit of momentum going. They're going, going, going. And they fumble again. Their first three possessions of the second half. Two fumbles and a punt. They dug themselves deep in a hole. And Washington was only able to get six points off those turnovers. Like, that's very fortunate for them. And then Washington has this in the bag. It's 37-28. And the most conf- – this is straight from the Mario Cristobal book of clock management, Josh. I don't understand why Washington didn't just kneel it. Why did they run the ball three times with a minute 10 left? Texas – didn't, couldn't stop the clock. You kneel it. I think Texas only gets like 10 seconds max, and you pin them on the, what, 20-yard line, 10-yard line? This, Washington really tried to give this game away at the end. And it was even closer. You know, it, was, it was 37-31, not 37-28. It was 37-31, so it was a six-point game, and they run the ball once. They run it again. They run it the third time and injure their best running back. He now <laughs> might be out. They're only running back. Yeah, that I... stops the clock. They have to punt with forty-five seconds left instead of just kneeling and ending the game. And then Texas get a chance on the thirteen-yard line to score, and it's only from a from a relatively poorly placed ball and just poorly executed play that Texas didn't win this one. And they shouldn't have been in this game at all. This should have been run away by, uh, by Washington. But yeah, no, I do do not understand the decision. And we've said this many a time. I, there's there's been so many examples of really bad clock management in games where you are winning and all you have to do is nil. And I can't understand it because there is quite literally no easier position to be in as an offensive coordinator at any point in any game you'll ever be in. You have a lead and you can just call a nil. Why would you do anything else? There's literally no easier position to be in as an OC. It's just baffling. It makes no sense how these these guys are paid hundreds of millions of dollars to do shit like this. If Dylan Johnson wasn't hurt on his final rush, which is, again, is a very heartbreaking thing. Again, you kneel the ball, you're running back healthy for the championship game. 
I think it's an ankle injury. We'll talk about it a little bit as we preview it. I think Washington probably would have gone for it if they got to like a fourth and one. I really think they would have, which would have been even dumber. And even Texas should not even gotten to the 15-yard line for a game-winning throw. Because no. you set them up with a kick-catch interference, free yardage. Then viewers <laughs> chucks up a prayer ball to um, it was uh, the third receiver who catches his incredible back shoulder adjustment, just high points it, falling on his back. Then they throw a absolute dot on the wheel route to the running back, sets him up even closer, and you're like, oh my god, Washington's gonna blow this. <laughs> they went from what should have been their like, I think twenty five to their 13 in 40 seconds. And Texas, again, Nebraska fans, shield your eyes, shield your ears. They get one second left on the clock because he was able to throw the ball out of bounds. And they dial up, I think, what was the right play call. They they want, they want got a touchdown on that play call like two drives before. That was the dr- drive that set up the, um, the momentum for him. And Ewers threw a great back shoulder to Adnai Mitchell, who... By the way, levitates. He jumps, moves in the air, pivots in the air, stays in the air for maybe 15 seconds, and high points. Just incredible athletic play. And they try to do it again. And Ewers, rather than throwing back shoulder, throws it high and kind of allows the court high and also way out it's very loopy outside i don't even think the receiver had a chance of reaching it it was just a, it was a bad ball it was like right above mitchell's head and mitchell got squeezed so far to the sideline that even if he catches that i don't think he gets in bounds but he basically put that ball in on the the spot where only the db could touch yeah it yeah well. where like, and it's the, the opposite like, of what you're trying to comes do. over the back of mitchell swats it away it was not a pretty ball. Um, I think it was the right call. Not a pretty ball. Washington wins the game. Uh, a fantastic Sugar Bowl. It, it's tough because I think uh, just me being biased. Tough because I I hate to watch Washington win. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's like I hate it because it's it's not that that yellow O instead of yeah, that, it's that purple W. But it's also. <laughs> internal mental gymnastics like this Washington team is so fun I I, I don't know how you can hate Michael ask me I don't know how you can hate Michael Penix and Roma Dunze and this Dylan Johnson the running back who's by the way this is their second string running back their starting running back got hurt before the season started and Dylan Johnson stepped up in a huge way it's really sad to see him get hurt on that final play for Washington he's expected to play though from what I just read so we'll see expected to play you you know what that means but yeah yeah we'll see we'll see it'd be nice Um, to see him out there yeah, congrats to the Washington Huskies and the fans everywhere. They win their first playoff game, and they get to go to their first national championship since, I believe it's 1991. And guess who they played in that championship, Josh? Was it Michigan? It was Michigan. And who won? I believe Washington won. Okay, so they have won one before. They have won. Oh, uh, it's a shared title, but yes, they have won one before. Um... Yeah, I guess no better way to segue into our preview. It's number one versus number two. Michigan is a four and a half point favorite. And Josh, we're going to save our pick for the very end. I want to go unit by unit for both these teams and really dig deep because they're the two best teams in the country. They are both undefeated. They won their conference. They beat their 
rival convincing convincingly strongly stoutly they won very close fantastic semifinal games i think they're very evenly matched up you have a great offense a great defense a very good offense and a very strong defense and two who knows at special teams so let's start off with michigan's offense like I said, they're an efficient offense. They are behind the run game of Quorum and Donovan Edwards. They dominate in the trenches. That O-line is fantastic at creating run lanes. They pushed around a top five Alabama defense. They pushed around a top five Penn State offense. They pushed around a top five Ohio State offense. It's probably the best offensive line in the country. And J.J. McCarthy has really come into his own in these final three, four weeks he is making great throws. He's being safe with the ball. Sometimes he's gotten away with the or chill. He's got great zip on it. He is throwing to a very good receiving group led by Roman Wilson. Side note, how funny is it? We got Roman and Rome, two receivers in this game. That's <laughs> Josh, I think this is our Roman Empire. <laughs> This is why they. This is what they mean when they say men think about the Roman Empire at least three times a day. <laughs> I'm thinking about Roma Doomsday five times a day at li- minimum. Get this man in a front office. <sighs> or get me in a mental institute. <laughs> one of the two. I think they're the same place, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Incredible soundbite that. Um, yes, Michigan's offense absolutely dynamic. Um, now you got Washington's offense who is the best passing team in the country. They average 350 yards a game. They have the most efficient quarterback right now. They have one of the best quarterbacks that's going to be drafted. They have the best receiving core in the country. They have a very solid O-line who has protected Penix. They've kept him upright. They've kept him healthy, especially in the later stretch of the season. He's only been sacked 11 times all year. That's incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. That is incredible. This is probably my favourite passing offence, if not the best passing offence I've seen since the 2019 Burrow year. I, I don't I think agree. there was anyone better since then. Stroud had a couple of good years, but I don't think there's been an offence that's been this complete pass in the ball. I could argue the 2020 Bama, but that's just because Devonta They Smith, were good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they were stacked. One. They were stacked. But man, this offence has been electric. And as has the Michigan one. This Michigan offence has been superb as well. They've put up a ton of points and, and given up uh, incredible! I think it's like five hundred odd points to like a hundred and eighty odd conceded or something crazy. Like it's a, it's an incredible ratio. It's this is two five hundred four points to one hundred and forty. Yeah, insane! What an insane number that is. Yeah, this is a uh, two top, very top offenses, both with their unique styles. This is a very, very good ground and pound team. A great offensive line. A great run game in in Michigan against a another very good offensive line. Super passing attack in in Washington and it's the same story whenever you play this Washington team can you get after them Alabama couldn't and that's a good front seven but this Michigan front seven is a different different group of animals this is a different group of beasts and I'll be very interested to see if they if they get against him we'll start to dive into the defenses in a minute but this is a it's the same story for Washington can you get after Penix if you can get after him the numbers start to drop off a little bit when there's pressure in his face, as they do with all quarterbacks. That's the key to beating those pocket passers who pick you apart. Mahomes was the same. You get in his face, he can't play football. That's that's quarterbacking. That's football. And one of the 
I think most impressive part of Washington's offense is how impressive they are at staying on the field. They convert third downs. They convert fourth downs. They keep drives going. They're top 15 in both third down and fourth down conversions. Like that's just that's incredible. Yeah, Super that's efficient. Crazy. And I've said it pretty much all season long. Who on your defense is going to step up and stop Roma Dunze when it's third and eight? And you know the ball is going to him. Because no one's had the answer yet. I, I There hasn't been a corner that has been able to stop him. No. No, and I don't think Michigan have one either. <laughs> like, that's just how good he is. I don't think there's a corner as good as he is a receiver. I think the only corner that would probably have that chance is like Kool-Aid McKinstry, but plays for Alabama, so we have, couldn't see that matchup. I I agree, Josh. He's one of one. He's one of a kind. Um, yeah, now let's, let's, let's go into these defenses. Michigan, I think, has the best defense in the country. They rush the passer extremely well. They get almost two and a half sacks a game, damn near three sacks a game. They create turnovers. That's a huge thing. Washington's fairly safe with the ball, but Michigan's defense forces turnovers. And that was the big reason why they won that Alabama game. They forced the Milrow turnover. They had those bad snaps. They were able to pressure them. They get off the field. They are top 10 in third down defense and fourth down defense. So something's got to give there between that offense and defense. And they also have the number one scoring defense in the country. Yeah, that's a pretty impressive resume (laughs) for a single season. Yeah, this is a, a seriously, seriously talented unit. And, you know, they've gone from strength to strength as the season's gone on. The, we, we spoke a lot about the pass rush because we thought that was the best unit and then the guys behind started to play better and then the secondary started to play really well and this just became a very very complete unit in, in a matter of weeks it became a well I, I mean if you had them as the number one defense since week two week three literally that far back or a little bit like four five this has been a top unit for a little while now and there were some other good teams sort of early in the season. We thought that Georgia team was fantastic. This Alabama defense has been fantastic all season. But Iowa's defense. Iowa's defense, fantastic all season as well. Yeah, we can't forget Iowa. But, man, this, this unit's really started to round out nicely as the season's closed and has really started to play as a as a very cohesive cohesive group. And I'll be very excited to see this offense go against them because, as I said, this has been the best offense all season for me as well. So this is the best offense going against what I think is now the best defense. And let's go over to Washington's defense because it's kind of the exact it's, – it's the same story of they've come together very cohesively. However, I wouldn't say they're great. The defense has been the weak part of this team. You know, They have been the difference maker in closing out games, but <laughs> they struggle at times, and especially that interior rush defense. A team like Michigan – can probably bully Washington's front seven. And I'm hesitant because they did a great job against Texas, and Texas has a great rushing attack. Like we mentioned, if that O-line can get the third string running back to 100 yards, that's on the O-line. That's not just on the running back. But right now, I don't see anyone on Washington's interior line that's going to be able to fill a gap. Like, who, who's going to plug up the A-gap? Who's going to plug up the B-gap? Who's going to... Besides against Braylon Trice. these guys, against this yeah. group of guys. <laughs> Besides Braylon Trice, who's going to be that guy in the middle to make make, make a stop on second and two? You know, 
same thing for like Michigan. Like who's going to be the corner that's going to step up and make a stop on third and eight? Who's going to be the defender that's going to make a stop on third and two? Yeah. Yeah, and this is why I think this is such a great matchup because I think there's some real mismatches on both sides. I think Washington have the receivers as they have done on most teams, but Michigan have the O-line and the running back. It's just going to be uh, two different styles going against each other and I'm very, very excited to see how how this one pans out because I think this has all of the makings of an absolutely fantastic matchup. I do think that for once, Washington's corners aren't going to be completely overwhelmed and outmatched. Um, Muhammad and um, Jackson, Jackson, the corner that made the game-saving SWAT and Jabbar Muhammad, who has really stepped up. He's shut down guys like Troy Franklin, um, Washington State's receivers. Uh, I think they're going to be actually fine on the back end for once. They're not going to have to worry about that. Um, and I've always said Washington's defense does just enough. You know, they they will bend. They will bend very, very, very much, but they're not going to break. And it's, it's like die at USC. It, USC just break, but yeah. it's like it's like die at USC. <laughs> and but sometimes on defense, that's all you need because the defense. And you've got has, an offense that scores forty every week. I I would say the one game the defense failed the offense was that USC game, which yeah. is hard to say you failed because you're going against Caleb Williams, like. It's not an easy task. Um, you can play but, perfect and still fail against that man. Yeah, they did a fantastic job of rebounding next week. They did. They shut down Utah for the most part. Shut down Oregon State. Um, they shut down Oregon twice in key moments, stopping them on fourth down that first matchup, and then stopping them early in the game their second matchup. It's impressive, and I think there's something to be said about teams that just find ways to close out and win. Should we dive into these special teams units now? Or you got any more notes yep. on these defenses? Let's let's go into special teams because <laughs> this is where the I, chaos begins. <laughs> this and again, the theme of the show is like, oh, what we've been talking about all season long. You only need to win two phases of the game in college. I don't know. You might need to win three phases in this game. In the final, for sure. In the final, for sure. And I don't know. These special teams have kind of been wonky in the closing it out. Michigan missing kicks, having bad snaps, muffing punts. Washington muffing punts. Uh, their kicker has been very solid all year, and really, if he's not able to nail those field goals in the Sugar Bowl, could be looking at a different result. Grady Gross is his name. He, 80% field goal kicker. Not bad. Yeah. No, that is good going. That is good going, but this is the thing with special teams is so much of it comes down to nerves on the day, it seems to, especially for kickers, and, you know, it's so brutal for kickers because they can be left on the sideline for the entire game and then asked to kick a game-winning, you know, 45-yarder out of nowhere. But the returners are really, really where I'm concerned if I'm both coaching staffs. I'm concerned that someone's going to muff something and I literally probably put the best guy out there for hands and I just say fair catch everything because I trust the offense better. If I'm Michigan, I say I trust my offense against this defense to get it done. And if I'm Washington, I say the same thing. So for me, if I'm special teams coach... (laughs) Unless you've got complete daylight, I'm saying fair catch everything and I'm just putting my best hands guy out there because nothing has given me confidence in the past two, three weeks that, or part two, three games that I can put a guy out there who I know in that situation is going to make the catch and make the play. I just need someone who I know is going to make the catch. Roman didn't say he's got you. Roman Wilson, he's got you. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Put Rome out there and tell him to fair catch everything. Or even if he has a chance, go. Yeah, go, yeah, go, go, it's going to be a, an interesting one. And then kickers, 
yeah, we'll see. I think Michigan have the edge here with the. I think Michigan have the better kicker in in this one. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it falls down. I think it very potentially could fall down to a kick or a matter of a couple of points. I think the line's four and a half in this one. You said this is. Uh, it really does have all the makings of a great game, and I just. I really don't want it to come down to a special teams blunder. I want someone to go out and win this game. I don't want someone to be handed this game. I mean, you could argue that a special teams blunder is a team winning the game. Like, if yeah. a bad no, snap and someone blocks the punt, like, that's a... No, that's it. But, I mean, if it's someone, uh, a block punt, that's someone winning the game. But uh, a dropped return a or punt. something like that is... Or uh, a missed kick or... Is not, I don't want to see someone drop a punt. A drop catch return, yeah. yeah. That's fair. Now our kind of last wraparound of these two fantastic squads, that it factor. Like, both these teams do have that it factor. And for me, to me, to me, for Michigan, it's, they don't get penalized. They're a very disciplined team, third least penalized team in the country. They win the time of possession. They hold on to the ball. They bully you. They beat you up. And they don't turn the ball over. And the biggest it factor that we're discounting is, all the bullshit that's gone on this entire season with Michigan. (laughs) This team has been under a microscope since the beginning of August, before the balls were even kicked off in summer camp. Like, holy hell, man. (laughs) Connor Stallions was at the Rose Bowl, Josh. Shaved head. Shaved head Stallions. He was in disguise. (laughs) He didn't didn't have his glasses on, though. I did notice that. Freshly shaved head, but no... No prescription glasses. <laughs> How do we know that's even his real look? How do we know that's even him? <laughs> He's Kaiser Soze. Yeah, insane. insane. Um, I thought it was amazing that he actually managed to get his own graphic on the broadcast. Oh, that was outstanding. Like, Connor Stallion, the name comes up. Like, Fuck this guy. Why are, we, why are we doing this? You know, I'm honestly shocked he wasn't in New Orleans scouting for the next game, you know? <laughs> Also, yeah. how is he allowed at any game? Has the NCAA not been on like, the sideline as well? Like, are you, no, sir? You are maybe that's why he shaved his head and took off his glasses so they wouldn't recognize him. Yeah, he's on a fake ID. <laughs> Sonicalians. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that. But my it factor for Michigan is like they are so cool under pressure. They are so cool under a microscope. They've had. Technically, four head coaches throughout the season. They've had multiple interims uh, for a game. Harbaugh's only coached in eight games. And they're yeah, still and four fighting. of them were complete pushovers. So yeah. he's basically only coached in four games. Yes. It's insane that a team is able to be this calm. Uh, I think that's, that's damn impressive. It is. And and we've spoke about this before in the, in, in, in the show. You know, It just speaks to the character of this Michigan team. Michigan team has fantastic character. It seems to be a, from an outside-in perspective, it seems to be a superb group of uh, group of young men they've got there. And every week they look professional. They seem to just be able to fight through all the bullshit, cut through all the bullshit, of which there's been plenty for this Michigan team. And it's never seemed to really affect them on the field. They've had a couple of small phases of, of not the not the cleanest play, but I don't think it's because of the distractions off the field. They seem to very much stay separate from all of the distraction and. You know, I think that just speaks to the the character of the team and the character of, to be honest, the character of the coaching staff as well. <laughs> That's it's a hard one to say, but hey, I mean, when the team right. can stay not distracted, it does. And you're maybe right. it's some of the coaching staff. Maybe it's the coordinators, and there's a question mark over the head coach. But 
And I think you, you did hit the nail on the head, though, how cohesive this unit is, because if you go back the last two seasons where their first playoff appearance, they get smoked by Georgia. They get ran out of the stadium. Their second playoff game, they lose a shootout to TCU, the underdog. And then their third playoff game, their third chance, these guys that have been through so much as one team, they always get to the mountaintop, but they keep getting knocked off. They beat Bama, who people are saying, oh, they're scared to play Bama. I thought Bama would win. (laughs) I did too. I did. Well, you picked Michigan, but I picked Bama. That team didn't look scared. And I think that it is very important. But I want to go for that it now for Washington. And this team is the most clutch team I've ever seen. They just find ways to win, even when no one is expecting them to win. Everyone's counting them out. Hell, even back to the last season, Washington has won 21 straight games. They currently have the nation's longest win streak. Like, that's Crazy. insane. Crazy. And if it weren't for like a fluke loss on a Friday to UCLA, they probably get into the Pac-12 championship game last year and probably beat USC last year. This team is so damn impressive when it comes to finding ways to win. I said in our preview show last week, that's an underrated quality. Uh, It's one, two, three, four, five, six, six of their last seven, seven of their last eight, nine of their last, eight out of their last nine games have been one score games that Washington has won. And you're saying, oh, maybe this comes to an end. Maybe it does. But they always find ways to win, whether it be Michael Penix stepping up and being clutch as fuck, or it's their defense stepping up and just being good enough. Yeah, and, and I mean, you hit the nail on the head. You said exactly what I was going to say. When it's the offense's turn to step up, the offense does. When the offense has done their work and the defense needs to step up, the defense does it. The weeks where it's been the offense on the field last and they need to win, they've got it done. The weeks where it's been the defense last on the field, they've needed to get a stop. They've got it done, and it didn't really matter who it was against. You know, they did it against Oregon twice. They've done it against Oregon State. They've done it against Texas now, Washington State, who we were high on for parts of this season. It's been a really has been a, a superb season for Washington. They've been my favorite team from week one. My absolute favorite team to watch this season. They've been the most exciting offense, and the it factor is Michael Penix. I don't think there's any other it factor than that. I think the it factor is Michael Penix, and you are right. Closing games out is a a hugely underrated underrated skill for a team and this team has it but man the it factor is is one man and one man only that's Michael <laughs> Penny I mean you could say Rome as well maybe it's two I, they got Rome, two they got yeah. they got an I and a T <laughs> yes Penix is the I Rome is the T I love that so much they also have kind of that element of agent of chaos the final year of the Pac-12 and the team that's leaving to go to the Big Ten they made it undefeated, and they're gonna. There's a chance that the Pac-12 in their final year of life and the full form of year life, <laughs> fucking wins the championship for the first time since the NCAA doesn't acknowledge it. 2004, <laughs> the most poetic way for the conference to go out is a team that's leaving wins it all. Yeah, that really would be. That's that really that's would the be. it to me. Is like college football is chaotic and stupid and fun and this is a chaotic stupid and fun team so i'm just like okay yeah that's that's a championship team right there 
All is I it said, time for uh, time for the predictions? All our predictions. I'll let you go first. See, I don't know who you have either, but I'm going for, and you may have guessed, but this has been my favorite team from the start of the season, and I think it doesn't matter if Dylan Johnson's in or not. This is Michael Penick's story. This is Michael Penick's season. Roma Dunze's been the best receiver in college football this year. Jalen Polk's been not that far behind him. McMillan's been not that far behind both of them. The offensive line's been great. Penix has been sacked 11 times over 14 games now. This game for me is the final one for Penix to really, really show that he is the guy. He has been the guy all year. He is the guy. Rome is the guy. This game is Washington's to win. I've got Washington 30, Michigan 28. That's a great pick. That's a great pick. And also, can we talk about for a second the journey that is Michael Penix, a guy that started his career at Indiana. His first year as a starter at COVID year, he beats a top 10 Penn State. He upsets a top 10 Penn State on the final play, reaching across the goal line as like a freshman to win in, I think it was overtime. And like the ball touches the pylon by like the tiniest of inch, the tiniest of inch. And then he tears his ACL. And then he comes back again. And he tears his ACL again. And this guy's just been through so much. And this is sixth year now to have him in the championship. And he finished second in the Heisman. <laughs> Damn it. If the Heisman was voted on after this game, he probably finishes first. An incredible story. For me, Josh, the difference is you kind of mentioned it. It's point differential. And I pulled up when these teams score by quarters Michigan this year has scored 123 in the first 144 in the second and 143 in the third they just come out and beat the hell out of teams and they concede 33 in the first 42 in the second 21 in the third and that defense constricts teams fourth quarter they score 87 they let out 47 mostly because their starters probably aren't playing versus Washington they come out hot, 137 in the first, 196 in the second. Once Washington gets going, they figure out in the second, they're throwing bombs down the field. Then you go into the second half. They only score 90 in the third, 104 in the fourth, because they maybe have to come find back in the game. They find a way. find a way. <laughs> and they concede 65 in the first, 121 in the second, 77 in the third, 75 in the fourth. Yeah. To it's, me— uh... It's it's oh it's fascinating. It it really is fascinating. And Washington's average margin of victory is thirteen and a half. I thought it was gonna be a lot lower, but I also remember that they blew the doors off like Tulsa, Boise State, and Michigan State to start the year. Uh, Michigan's margin of victory damn near twenty six. They have only ever played one close game, two close games. I see it as there's a minute left. Penix and the offense is driving. And they're trying to set up a game-winning field goal. And Panix gets pressured, and he tries to throw one to Rome. And Michigan comes up with the interception to win it 28-27. I got Michigan, but Washington covering. I think my difference in this game is the I don't think Washington's defense is going to be able to stop the run. And... I am not sure if Dylan Johnson is fully healthy. If he isn't able to play in this game, Washington's got to go to a freshman running back. And a freshman running back going against the teeth of that defense is a scary thought to me. 
I'm going Michigan. I think they play very clean. I think they play very smart and are able to squeak out a one-point victory. Yeah, this one's going to be right down to the wire. It's going to be a close one. It's going to be a a nail-biter. I think it's going to be an absolutely fantastic game. And I agree with everything you said. This is a fantastic, fantastic Washington defense. And, you know, it almost doesn't matter who's in front of them. Oh, sorry, fantastic Michigan defense. It doesn't matter who's in front of them. They're going to they're going to be able to feast because they're just this good. But the same can be said for this Washington offense. They got dudes all over the board. And for me, if Penix is the last QB on the field, there's no way Washington don't win this game. I like that, but I don't, I don't know. At some point, a team's figured them out and they will be able to f- close out a game against Washington in the way that Washington will be able to do it against other teams, you know. That Michigan rush attack against that rush defense is really is a is a real cause for concern though. That's the big one for me as well that that gives Michigan somewhat of an upper hand. And I think the Michigan pass rush versus Washington's O line. I don't think Penix can be able to have as much time as he's used to this season. And I think he's going to get get balls out quick. And I think Washington's pass offense kind of has to evolve. They love to run a lot of deep stuff, but they are able to do that because Penix has time. I don't think they're going to be able to do that as much. There's not going to be as many back-breaking plays for a defense where Rome torches you for 60 at the sideline on a beautiful fade route or McMillan torches you on a skinny post. I think they're going to have to kind of dink and dunk, and they're not going to be able to do it. And I think Michigan's ability to get off the field on third down as a defense, I think that is going to be the give. Yeah, and it's all down to it's all down to the, the protection as well. You know, we said... I thought Oregon was going to get after them better than they did. I thought Texas was going to get after them better than they did. And week after week, this Washington O-line just keeps proving proving me wrong and proving to me that they're a, a better unit than I've given them credit for over the course of uh, 14 weeks, 15 weeks of the season now. I'm also a first-class hater, and I just absolutely cannot stand Washington <laughs> winning championship for Oregon in my <laughs> lifetime. I just can't do that. I'm a first-class hater. We might have hater. to watch it. Um, also, Monday how night. funny would it be if... Yeah, we might. It, it's. I'm preparing for the possibility. Um, I'll be happy for the guys after the school. Also, I think it's going to be hilarious if Michigan wins. Harbaugh bolts to the Chargers, pun intended. And then the NCAA strips her title because they find a reason to do it. <laughs> I, I think that's the perfect storybook close on this season. And the end of the 14 playoff of, we won, but we got it vacated. <laughs> because we cheated four or five times along the way. <laughs> yes. Also, I find this very poetic. The first uh, national championship of the 14 playoff format, Oregon, Ohio State. The final championship of the 14 playoff format, their rivals, Washington and Michigan. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's cool. kind of beautiful. And it's the first first final with no SEC team for nine years now, I think. Yes, I believe nine, nearly so. Nearly ten, nine years. Uh, yeah, Oregon, Ohio State was the last one. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Incredible. But that's going to do it for our championship preview. I am juiced for it. I'm excited. I hope we finally get three great playoff games. It hasn't happened yet. We've gotten two, but the third one always kind of lets down, or one sucks, and the final two live up to the hype. Fingers crossed. I'm hopeful, and I think it will be. I think it will be. I mean, I thought that the best matchup might have been Alabama against Washington, but mm. this sneakily might be better. This, this after kind of previewing it, 
I think whatever whoever we was going to get in this final was going to be a great game or or had all of the all of the characteristics of a great game. So every game Washington have played this year has been so fun to watch. This offense is just fun. Michigan are similar as well. They're just a fun team to watch. They're a very fun defense to watch. Whoever they're playing against, this is going to be a yeah. I'm really excited for this one. This should hopefully cap off what's been a a treat of a season. We've had some fantastic games this year. Yeah. And this game again is on Monday night, which I always hate. It should be played on a Saturday, but that's all right. Um, Josh, any final thoughts uh, before we go? I don't think so. Did you want to give a quick rundown of what's to come? Yes. So the plan is after the championship, probably on Tuesday, we'll record a show recapping that game. And then we'll also recap the rest of the bowl season as well as the season as a whole. And give our final thoughts on things, give away some of our favorite moments, memories, players, etc. Because it's been a one of the fastest seasons I can remember, but one of the most fun seasons I can remember. Uh, so that'll be coming out uh, next week. And then maybe we'll take a week or two off. Maybe we'll do like a fun show, more like um, an aw- our award style show beyond just like our favorites. Just who knows? Um, and then get into draft prep i've already started watching some film on some guys uh probably do like a quarterback show because there's four or five looking first round quarterbacks right now we'll do a receiver show because there's like 15 great receivers in this class um a running Again. back show uh probably an o-line d-line show linebackers corners safety like yeah go through some of our our draft prep yeah yeah and i think that's that's pretty much it and we may even may even be getting another in-person one in but would love we'll leave that. that one for uh yeah leave, leave that one for for later down the line yes but that's gonna do it um give us those five stars like subscribe all that good stuff wherever you listen to your podcasts subscribe to the patreon subscribe to the main channel just put out a video on that nfl defense is suffocating nfl offenses shout out that cover six great video shout out steph yeah fantastic video shout out steph and Thierry did a great job on those narrations as always um yeah follow us on the socials message us talk to us on the discord we'll be chatting definitely throughout this uh national championship i saw the drafts chat starting to heat up today in the discord so Mm -hmm. we'll start start getting some clips in there soon whoever said blake horn was a second round back is no that guy I'm sorry. Who, if you listen to the show, you don't know what you're talking about. He's at best a fifth rounder. He's he has almost 700 carries in college. His knees are just gonna fall apart. That screams like a Matt Lafleur pick. Pair him with AJ Dillon. Thousand carries out of college. That's the one-two punch we're looking for. Oh, no, you're gonna get Frank Gore Jr. That guy's got almost a thousand <laughs> touches. Give me all the backs. Sir. 